I just love that. Merry Christmas, everybody. And we're so glad that you're here tonight. Our family is all together again. And uh, for our family, um, the Lowry side of the family, we get together on Christmas. And we have many of our traditions, as I'm sure that you have traditions as well. And, you know, we keep accumulating traditions. And anything that we all like, we just decide, that's a new one. Uh, and we just keep piling up these traditions. And one of the traditions this past year that we added on, my daughter Laura Lee decided it was going to be a tradition, um, is that we wanted to play a video. Uh, Ruthie, when she was little, recorded, Ruthie, stand up so everybody knows you're not little anymore. Stand up and say hi to everybody. Okay, this is Ruthie. Yeah, give her a hand, man. Look at her. She recorded a video when she was little bitty, and uh, she was trying to give us a sermon on the meaning of Christmas. And uh, so our tradition is that we text that video out as a family and everybody gets to watch her do that. And you know what, I figured I'd just share that with you guys today. You want a good sermon? Here's a good sermon. Y'all listen up, listen to Ruthie, bring it. It's not about presents, it's about family, up together. It's not just about presents, it's about love and Everything, but not presents. It's only about love. So. <laughs> I feel what you feel happening in that child's heart is I am really struggling to make it not about presents. Um, but there is something to the presents. Kids, how many of you? have a present under the tree at home with your name on it right now. And you've been looking at it for weeks probably, right? Um, well, what, what is that all about? I know if you're, if you're like me, um, it's really hard to wait, isn't it? You want to open it, don't you? You want to you wanna go shake it? I remember when my parents weren't home and they were over there, the temptation was too great, right? I got to feel how much it weighs. And I got to shake that thing and just figure out what, and see if I can guess what it is. There's this thing about waiting on something. And it's hard to wait till Christmas morning to open it up, right? And you guys know when you're, you're a young family, I, I learned this when, I was, when our kids were very little. Like, it's the next day and it's technically the morning after midnight strikes. So they could be up at 3 in the morning, right, and, or, or whatever. As, soon as, as long as they woke up the next day, it's time to open presents. We, we feel that. Um, my mother-in-law even asked me today, she asked me every year, you want to open one early? You know? And today I opened one early, and it had barbecue stuff on it, and uh, I've got a Boston butt on it right now. I hope it's not burning, uh, but it's going right now. Have you ever been in a season of life where you're waiting for something to come down the pipe, waiting on something to arrive? Um, in many ways, it might be out of your control. You feel as though maybe God has a plan for you, you know, something specific, and you feel like it's supposed to happen, and it's not happening yet, and, and, and you're just waiting. You're waiting on that. Um, well, that's part of life. And one major aspect of a relationship with God is waiting on God. God has a perfect time for you and certain things in your life. Well, Christmas, Advent, 
is all about the waiting being over. And so we wait for those presents and then it's the morning and it's time to rip in, right? And then God has a, a time frame for things in our lives. God has a time and, and Advent is really about us waiting. Waiting on God's son to come. But then also we wait on his son to return. Advent is all about learning how to wait. Wait on God, wait on what he has planned, and learning to live in the waiting. But Christmas, particularly tonight, is the moment when God comes through. There's like a satisfaction to it, isn't it, when you just get to bust into that present and start playing with it. When you get to open that gift and unwrap that present and go in. Well, all of that is a part of our tradition because we're talking about We've been waiting on God to send his son, and he's here. And it's teaching us something about what waiting is all about. The anticipation is over, now the arrival is here, and it's celebration time. Advent is all about the waiting and the celebration of the arrival of the son of God on the earth. And tonight we celebrate the waiting of the Messiah who comes is over. He's here. And then we see in Galatians chapter 4. I just want to mention this passage real quick. And, and then we'll pray and we'll get into some worship. But Galatians chapter 4. Paul uses a particular phrase here. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Fullness of time. God had a chosen time from all eternity. That this would be the time, this would be when my son would arrive, which means that there's a whole long time before that of waiting and anticipating. Because God gave a promise, like a present that you have under the tree, but don't unwrap it. He's not here yet. And God gave a promise, and we've waited on that promise, and we've waited on that promise. And then right here, Paul says, in the fullness of time had come, it's almost like a, a pregnant woman, the fullness of time had come, and... She goes into labor, right? The fullness of time in all of world history, it was just all of the pieces were, were laid, all of the foundation has been laid. It's the perfect time. Everything had become full, and God came through on his promise, and he sent his son to us. But then he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. It's important. It's important that we understand that. Um, because it's an important part of the redemptive story and message of God. That he was born of a woman. The Son of God became a man that was born of a woman. A real man in real history, real flesh and blood. He got hungry. He got tired. He felt pain. He became one of us in our humanity. Flesh and blood, blood human being. When I was a kid... I heard Paul Harvey, how many of you remember Paul Harvey, told a story about a man who didn't believe in the incarnation, that God would become a man. And his wife and kids did, and they, and they were going to actually leave on Christmas Eve to go to celebrate the incarnation. And he just couldn't find it in his heart to believe this whole idea of the incarnation. So he told his wife and kids, you guys go, um, I'm going to stay home. And you guys worship, but he politely refused. And they left and they went up the road to the church. And 
right after they left, he's outside and a winter storm blew in. And this is up north, so it was a pretty wicked storm. Wind came gusting in and it began to snow really, really quick. And it got heavier and heavier, so he decided, I'm getting cold, so I'm going to run in. He goes in and he sits down in his chair by the fire in the living room. And he's sitting there and all of a sudden he hears a thud. And, he's, and then a few minutes later, another thud. And then it, almost they got quicker and quicker, back to back to back. All these thuds started happening. He started figuring out, he wanted to figure out. He said, in my mind, what he thought was, is there were some kids who saw that it was snow and it had begun to accumulate. And they were out there grabbing s- snowballs and throwing them into his window. That's what he thought. And so he got up and he was a little agitated and frustrated and he wanted to go find out what that was. And so he goes over and he gets to his front porch and he looks out. And what he realizes, it wasn't kids at all. It was birds who, over his large landscape window that was outside his house, the birds were running into his window. Y'all ever had that where birds are just like, they think it's a nice cozy little cave and it ain't. Uh, it's, they, and they hit and they're all stunned and they land. And all these birds were grouped up outside of his window out there. And all of them were just kind of sitting in the snow, stunned. But they had gotten trapped by the winter storm and they were looking for cover and now they're stunned and they're sitting there. Well, he felt terrible for these birds. And so he realized, I've got a barn right there on the other side of his driveway, a big barn. They had a, 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 a horse or something in it. And so he decided what I'll do is I'll, I'll get them to come over to this barn instead of my window. I'll get them. The, so he goes and he opens up both things of the barn and he opens them wide. And he begins to try to think about how he's going to get these birds over there. So he begins to walk over toward the birds and they begin to scurry away from him and he says well I don't, how do I get them in the barn they're afraid of me and they keep running from me so he kept thinking how can I let them know I'm not a threat um here's what I, so he goes back in the house and he gets some breadcrumbs and he lays out the breadcrumbs all the way to the barn and hopefully they'll follow the breadcrumbs and go to the barn he's trying to get them in the barn and they just completely ignore the breadcrumbs and they just sit there in the snow and he knows it's getting so cold they're really going to freeze if something's not done quickly. And he began to really wrestle with how in the world do I get these birds to go into the barn? And he wrestled for there for just a minute and he began to think, you know, they're so afraid of me, I can't do anything with them. But if I could become a bird and I could get in there and mingle among them, um, I could speak their language and they could, they would trust me And I could lead them over to the barn. Man, wouldn't that be perfect? And right in that moment in this man's life, because of the wind was so strong, the church was far away, but he heard the bells of Christmas tidings coming from the church. And he connected the dots. That God has become one of us to save us. He has come to us to save us from our sins. But then he says... But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, a very important detail, born under the law. Jesus was born under the law. I think we're all familiar with the term, no one's above the law, right? Y'all know that in America? That no one's, that we're a nation of law. No one's above the law. We're all beneath the law. In other words, we're all subject to the law. That nobody's too powerful or too rich or or, or can, can avoid the law, right? I mean, that's the idea in America. That's the thing that we value. Um, and we know that if you're born in this country, you are born and subject to the law. That if you break the law, you face the consequences of that. Well, the Bible says that every human being is born under the law. 
And what that means is that God's law, God's commands are there as a standard of God's righteous requirement for a relationship with him. And the problem that we have here is all of us have broken that law. All of us. And we do it in ways probably we're not even familiar with every single day. When we're under this law, he was born under law. He was also born as a Jew under the law, trying to observe all the requirements that a Jew would require. The Jewish people had the covenants of God. They had the revelation of God. They had the word of God. And they were particularly a people of the law of God. And Jesus is born as a Jew. If you ask, what is God's requirement to gain heaven and acceptance? The answer is fundamentally, obey God's law with perfection. That's the answer fundamentally. And if we do that, we have no, nothing to fear in our lives. In your thoughts and in your words and in your deeds, you have obeyed God's commands, his revelation and his word. Perfect. At all times and in every way, you've obeyed God. That's a problem, isn't it? Because we all know we haven't. Well, what does it mean if we haven't? Not all sins are exactly equal, but any sin will keep you out of the presence of the Lord. Sin is what separates us from God. It brings death and decay in our lives. Sin is in this world. Why was Jesus born under the law? Well, he answers the question. Look at the next phrase. To redeem those who were under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. Jesus came to redeem us. Not just in general, not as a good example but to fulfill the requirements of the law for those who have not obeyed the law. Jesus is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The Bible teaches we deserve to be condemned, that we deserve God's judgment on our law-breaking and in every way. Why was Jesus born a person under the law, a human being accountable to the law of God? So that he would obey God's law, he would live the life that you and I haven't, that we should have. But then he would suffer and die the death of the atonement, the punishment that we deserve. He would take it upon himself. He would live the life that we should have lived. He will die the death that we should have died. And in his work as a human being, he will accomplish redemption for humanity. Who is the one that needs satisfying? God. And no one else can do it. Only the Son of God. What is Jesus doing? Why did Jesus be why is Jesus born a human being? First to please his own Father in heaven. God's requirement for us is righteousness. We are not to redeem us from God's judgment. Jesus had to come as a human being and redeem human beings who are under the law, condemned by the law and trapped in their sin. And we needed a savior. And then he says, so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, when a person trusts in Jesus, what's, here's what happens. Jesus satisfied all the requirements that God had for the reconciliation of a human being with God. The one that needed satisfying was God. 
He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. He can't be in the presence of sin. And yet Christ came, performed redemption for humanity so that reconciliation with God can now happen. How does that happen? Well, a person hears the gospel. They know they've sinned against God. They can't measure up. They can't clean up their life. They've already messed it up. And before God's law, they're condemned. Christ has accomplished redemption by his work on the cross, by his perfect life, cross, and resurrection, proving who he is. And he offers everyone eternal life, righteousness with God, when we trust him. It's not by behaving so much, trying to obey the law. That's like a criminal in court going, okay, I know I'm guilty of murder, but I'll never do it again. Just let me off free. You say, no, I mean, if you live perfect the rest of your life, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's happened. You see, when you have sinned against God, the punishment is complete. There is no saving ourselves. There is no cleaning our act up before God. The only one we can go to to be saved of our sins is Jesus, the one who accomplished redemption on our behalf. And so, church, when we worship tonight, the fact that that baby is in that manger is a glorious, glorious thing. Amen? See, he came to us. He came for us. And there he is. Let us worship him. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We are redeemed by becoming a child of God through joining the Son of God and being one with him. By faith, just trusting him. Saying, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you came to save sinners like me. And I don't have to do a whole lot. All the Bible says I have to do is go to you and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You have the wheel of my life. You have me. You have my heart. I am yours. Save me. That's the words. I am yours. Save me. Have you done that? That's why he's in that manger, so that you would be saved, that you would have a relationship with him, you'll have a relationship with God. That's why he came, to redeem us, to redeem us. And that's why we're here to worship tonight. I'm going to pray just a second and we're going to hand out candles and we're going to worship and we're going to light candles and we're going to hand on, hold our candles high and we're going to remember the coming of the Son of God. Um, but we're going to remember something that he said about his coming. Here's what he said in John chapter 8 verse 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We, were like, we light these candles in reflection upon the fact that he came for us. The light of the world came to us to light our dark world, to light our dark hearts, to save us from sin and give us hope and a purpose and a future. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him tonight. Let's pray. Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for Christmas. The coming of your son into our world, into our hearts, into our lives. And Lord, we can have all the presence in the world. We can have all the money in the world. We can have everything go our way in this whole world. But nothing will satisfy. Thank you for the, the time that we have. To kneel around a manger. To think about what you did for us in this baby. 
to think about how, how you came to us. You didn't come into a palace. You came to a manger, a stinky, smelly manger. You came here for sinners. Oh, what humility, what meekness, what love, what grace. We worship you. We worship you. You're our king. You're our Lord. You're our creator. And we love you. Fill our hearts tonight with your light and your love and your power and your grace. Fill us full to the brim. Make our hearts happy in you, God, as we seek to worship your son. We are grateful. We worship you and we praise you in all these things we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Will you stand with me all across the room? We're going to light our candles. They should be going out right now. Um, there you are. Yes, there you go. I'm going to invite our family, Casey's family. If you're in here, come on up. Kel and his family, Josh and his new family. My family, I want all y'all to come up. Can y'all come up? Cook family, y'all come on. We're going to light these candles together and sing Silent Night. Hey, as you uh, get your you candles, let me uh, just kind of say this real quick. How you light your candle. We're going to ask you to please uh, make sure you give the candles out to the right people. Okay, we'll just say it that way. The lit candle, the unlit candle goes in to light, not the other way around, or you'll have wax on you. So it's the unlit candle comes in. So if you're helping each other around the room, you'll light your neighbor's candle. We'll get some lit We'll get some candles lit right in here. It is the... You stole my candles. Again, yes. We're going to demonstrate for you as you're getting your candles. Lit candle, unlit candle comes on in and lights the candle. When we go to blow the candle out, you want to do is you want to cup it and blow it out. You don't want to blow wax into the person that's in front of you. It's a bad move. Okay? All right. So we'll get these things lit. lights down.
Shit.